Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion, and the latest around the Broncos as the season continues. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio on Twitter. We're today on the podcast going to discuss the Keys to the game as the Denver Broncos turn the page towards the Tennessee Titans. A little bit of, um, well, special happenings that are going on on halftime. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that as well for that game. So if you're going to the game, you're certainly going to want to, um, well, maybe uh, skip that extra pretzel and uh, jump back into your seat because Pat Bolin, as well as Champ Bailey, going to officially get their rings, their Hall of Fame uh, ceremony going to be happening this weekend at Empower Field at Mile High. We're also going to discuss, well, maybe this Broncos team is a little bit better than you thought. And of course, we'll start there as well, too, as Zach Seegers, contributor to MileHighSports.com, will be joining me on the podcast. Uh, welcome back, Zach. As always, good to have you here. Uh, where can they follow you on Twitter? Thank you very much for having me, Ronnie. And they can follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Seegers. That's Z-A-C-H underscore S-E-G-A-R-S. Tremendous. All right. So it's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. I was up in the rooftop the other day. Now, it was uh, just a tremendous view of the Denver skyline. And of course, anytime you are up there, whether it is hot or it is cold, that, of course, a heated rooftop. And uh, maybe you just get one of those 100 Colorado distilled spirits to uh, warm you up as a Great place up there, Tap 14. I strongly encourage you to go on over there and check that place out. Tap 14 on the web. Spell out the word 14 for me, tap14.com. All right, let's start with uh, the Broncos and this. Uh, maybe they're a little bit better than we actually all thought. Zach, you uh, kind of dove into the pro football focus numbers. Now, I don't want to say that pro football focus is the Bible by any means, but certainly they do a lot of research when it comes to individual players, teams, where they rank and how they kind of shape up in the NFL. And again, this is a Denver Broncos team that is one and four, but let's not forget when it comes to the point differential as well, too, this is a team that's actually quite successful and um, not allowing as many points as, you know, teams that uh, have better records with them. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have a negative 30 point differential um, and that's far, that's almost double of the Denver Broncos and they have a better record. The Oakland Raiders at 3 and 2 have a negative 20 point differential. Denver's by the way is negative 16. And the Oakland Raiders are 3 and 2. So that kind of tells you the way the ball bounces just hasn't been in Denver's favor, but yet they've been a competitive team. But what you did a little bit of research, what did you find? Well, according to PFF, the Broncos are actually a top 10 team overall in the league. Wow. Ninth in overall grade, the teams ahead of them are teams I think a lot of people would consider to be so, uh, Super Bowl contenders. Teams sure. like the Saints, Eagles, uh, Ravens maybe not so much, but Cowboys, Patriots, and 49ers. Sure. I mean, it's a lot of very talented teams. And even more so, this defense I think has been a little disappointing. You look at total defense numbers, yards, points allowed, and like you said, they're keeping the score low, but maybe not to the uh, elite level we anticipated entering the season. According to PFF, this defense really is an elite unit. Again, ranking top 10, uh, ninth overall in the league in total defensive grade. Uh, run defense, they're third in the league. 
Um, the only categories they aren't top 10 in are pass rushing and tackling. Sure. And, it, it and tackling, we've obviously talked ad nauseum about the pass rush. Absolutely. And, and again, that really is the Achilles heel here is tackling. They are uh, the 11th best team. Actually, pass rush is their lowest graded category on offense or defense for the entire team, ranking 25th in the league. Uh, if, if that comes up to even league average around 16th, this defense is a top five unit uh, for sure. Yeah, and look, this is a Broncos team that at one and four, your record says exactly what your record uh, or, or what you exactly are as a team. But there are silver linings to take from this. And so as we look forward uh, and, and look ahead to Tennessee, uh, look, this is a team that on defense, they are going to be challenged with this week. As I understand Marcus Mariota is not playing the best ball. He is obviously struggling a bit this year. Um, and, and I think a lot of people had some high expectations for Marcus Mariota as we come up on his fourth, fifth year in the league. And, uh, you know, you would think that this is a guy who has blossomed by now. And it really just hasn't happened. Uh, this is a team that right now offensively passing yardage wise is in the bottom five uh, per game. And points wise, uh, they average just south of 20 uh, at 19.6. That's good enough for 23rd in the league. So this is offense that is obviously very, very vulnerable. Uh, and, and maybe let's get to our keys of the game here. Uh, and, and I guess I'll start in containing Marcus Mariota because I've talked about this previously on the podcast. I, th I think the Denver Broncos and, and we talked about this last Thursday. I think the Denver Broncos have a leg up on Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers just stays in the pocket. You know, that's that's all he does. He doesn't want to run around. He doesn't want to improvise when the pass rush comes to him from the left or the right or up the middle. This is a guy who wants to stay in the pocket and deliver a nice solid throw. He knows he's going to take a hit. That is not the kind of quarterback that Gardner Minshew is or Mitchell Trubisky or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes and Marcus Mariota, the next two quarterbacks that they're going to see on the schedule. And I think, unfortunately, by default now, Denver's pass rush has a consequence for not getting home or um, not truly containing the quarterback, and that's obviously Marcus Mariota's legs now. And so I think this could be a big factor for this team in um, needing to get off the field on a third and six and getting to Mariota, but then Mariota escapes and then he runs for a first down. And all of a sudden the offense is back out on the field for three more plays. And, you know, maybe Derrick Henry breaks the run and then all of a sudden it just downfalls and avalanches. And then you're looking at a drive that ends in points for the Titans when Denver could have got off the field. So I think it's going to be really, really critical for Denver to be able to contain Marcus Mariota inside the pocket or at least make sure that they're not getting beat by the second element that Mariota brings. And I get it. He has struggled this year, but he does bring this element of getting out of the pocket and making some plays. Absolutely. You know, you can't allow those drives to be extended on an easy third and six scramble sure. by Mariota. And I think a uh, large part of containing him and this segues perfectly into my key is attacking the left side of that Titans offensive mm. line. Uh, the right side is somewhat strong. Uh, Jack Conklin's been playing well. Uh, their right tackle, their center, Ben Jones, has been playing well. Right guard, Roger Saffold, was a huge free agency addition to them, or for them. And he's been disappointing, but he's still, you know, the right side of that offensive line is its strength. The left side, on the other hand, is one of the worst units in the league. Yes, Taylor Lewan's back, and he's a former pro bowler, 
Uh, the Bills let everyone have the book on him. He can't handle inside pressure, and and they showed it last week. I mean, he, he earned a grade of about 35 from Pro Football Focus, squarely landing him among one of the worst tackles in the league. And he just can't do that. I mean, they should be able to easily attack him with Malik Reed, who's the highest-graded edge rusher on this Broncos team right now. I think him sending Draymond Jones at him, they've got to bring pressure from the left side if this right side is able to stop Derek Wolf and Von Miller. And look, uh, getting to the quarterback, obviously super crucial, but exposing what the Titans don't do well um, is obviously, you know, something that they could be doing that that may also help out. Uh, and I'm going to flip to the other side of the defense for my second key. And when we talk about, look, running the football, Derrick Henry is quite the beast, okay? This is a guy who is averaging four yards per carry, uh, has broken some big runs. He's got four touchdowns on the year. And so, you know, when it comes to that left side, we've talked about that offensive line being um, weaker, if you will. And I don't want to I don't want to say they're they're by all means just, um, you know, a, a bunch of scrubs or anything like that. Uh, but certainly that right side is a lot more stronger. You would agree. Oh, absolutely. Now, <laughs> what about running to that right side? And so this is where I think guys like um, and, and really this kind of goes to towards the linebackers and, and their play. Look, I want to see another consistent game from Alex Johnston. Uh, I want to see another consistent game from, um, you know, Von Miller. I I understand everybody talked about Von Miller and how he didn't get a quarterback in. He only had two tackles, yada, yada, yada. Von Miller was in the backfield. Oh, yeah, those stats were so misleading. Constantly. And so, that first interception was caused by him. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and it's funny because we flip back to the game uh, against Chicago where, you know, Von Miller wasn't making an impact. We talked about that game he had the same, basically, stat line as the uh, previous game against the Chargers. He was non-existent against the Bears. He was very existent against the Chargers. He was constantly disrupting things. And if he can do that, again, I, I really don't care about the sack number. I really don't. The, the sack number is a bit overrated. It's a, it's a statistic that I think is very lazy to just look at and say, oh, well, this guy played a good game because he had a sack. That's just not the way you should look at it. If Von Miller has another consistent game against the, uh, against the Tennessee Titans like he did against the Chargers, that means redirecting Derrick Henry. That means slowing him down. And He's kind of one of those guys that, look, freight train. Okay, uh, he's got to build up some steam, and he's got to start to, um, you know, have a little bit of open space to kind of hit that hole. But gosh, when he hits that hole with full steam, then it's like all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is a scary dude that uh, it's, it's probably not going to come down with just one arm tackle. Um, but but if you could slow him down early, he will be ineffective. And this is a guy that look um, has has been their big first down. Um, engine, if you will, 24 of them uh, this year. No other player on that offense has more than 10. So he's really kind of, you know, I don't want to say they're a one-trick pony on offense, but their real consistency is Derrick Henry. And so if you were to contain Derrick Henry, utilize those linebackers to really get in the way, again, you know, I, I actually think Derrick Henry is one of those players that is is so talented that he's kind of one of those where he's going to get his keep at some way, shape, or form. But there are ways to slow him down and make sure you're just not gashed like you were uh, previously um, You know when you're allowing 200-yard rushers to Leonard Fournette. You just can't allow that. If you can just contain him and, and hold him to a 20-carry, 60-70-yard day, I'd call that a win. 
Absolutely. And, and you brought up Leonard Fournette and the fact that Henry's the engine of this Titans offense. And I think it's absolutely true. Uh, except I'd argue he's even more so because at this point, Marcus Mariota scares me less than Gardner Minshew and sure. the Titans' other weapons scare That's me less than point. the Jaguars. Yes. Uh, the Broncos were winning that Jacksonville game until they finally allowed to, uh, Leonard Fournette to get free at the start of the second half. If you keep Derrick Henry bottled up for the entire game, the Titans don't reach 10 points. Uh, if you keep, if you bottle him up the same way you bottled the Chargers run game up, and the Chargers have a better running game than the Titans, even though Derrick Henry's talented, uh, having Mike Purcell on that defensive line should help. If you stop Derrick Henry, you've really stopped the Titans' offense. He is what makes them go. Yeah, I mean, if you can really put them in a situation where, um, and look, again, I Marcus Mariota, he's made some nice plays in his career so far. He appears like a serviceable quarterback, but the problem is, is, is he a franchise quarterback? That's the question they're asking in Tennessee. I, I, I think this is one of those things where, you know, and I go back to week one or the very first game when Tremont Williams said, hey, we want Mitchell Trubisky to play quarterback. I think it's the same situation for the Broncos. They want Marcus Mariota to beat them. And because I think if you ask that question, you say, hey, can Marcus Mariota just outright beat the Denver Broncos without a run game? I think he answered that question with no. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, that's kind of where I go with my uh, third key. Sure. I think the uh, the offense can't be making mistakes like they were in, in previous weeks. Recently, the offense has looked better. They have been putting up more points. But the mistakes are present, and some of them are fluky. Yeah, but they're starting to turn the ball over like Broncos teams of the past few years. And they just can't have those type of mistakes. Get the ball into your playmaker's hands. Their running backs are top six in PFF grades overall. Uh, their receivers are top three or top five in PFF's grades. These playmakers, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders, is the best duo the Broncos have had since Emmanuel Sanders and DT were in their prime. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a really fun core to watch. And Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay are tearing it up in the run game. Every now and then, Scangarello has the tendency to tense up with his play calling and get the ball away from his playmakers for whatever reason. Get the ball in your playmakers' hands as much as possible. You've got four electric offensive talents. Let them make plays. Of course, it's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14. All right, our final key, at least my final key, coming up after the break. All right, so final key of the game. By the way, I, I do want to touch on this. Um, you know, we've, we've been commenting. I don't want to say we're hammering Marcus Mariota, but, you know, it. we're talking about him as the biggest weakness and deficiency of this Titans offense, a guy who's thrown for 1,000-plus uh, yards so far, 1,116, uh, averages about 7.9 per uh, per uh, a completion attempt, and uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, okay? Um, so it should be noted that this guy has been careful with the football, but the problem is, is like it's, it's one thing to be careful and just kind of dink and dunk your way down the NFL, uh, you really need to start to, uh, well, really, in, in the bottom line is score points. Uh, and, and Tennessee has not been able to score points. And so this is where my key leads to. I think if Denver just puts 20 up on the board, they should be able to beat the Titans, you know, is, is put some offensive points on the board and continue the consistency that you have seen. I, I really like where this Broncos offense has morphed for the last couple weeks. Uh, you could see progression. You know, look, 
Make no mistake, and I go back to this a lot. That week one opener against Oakland, terrible play calling. Okay, they're out of sync, constantly just just not very good in in all facets. It has improved over the weeks. Now it is something that is still a work in progress, and I would like to see them get a little bit more aggressive in the second half. But I'm also not going to blame them to play a a little bit more of a safer conservative game when you are up three possessions uh, in the second half. You know, and so uh, look, continue consistent. Uh, don't have a turnover-ridden game because I think that's the kind of that's the kind of situation that can beat you is you know a Tennessee team that you know while yes record-wise or maybe on paper-wise you know appears to be better than Denver this is a game at home this is a game where you're going to celebrate Pat Bowen and Champ Bailey the fans are going to be there they're going to be they're going to be rowdy they're going to uh, want to see Denver pick up a second win and then all of a sudden maybe you believe a little bit more. You know, there's that potential spark plug in this game that, quite frankly, I think is a gimme for you. And your potential way of losing is Derrick Henry runs all over you or you beat yourself and you turn the ball over. So uh, just don't turn the ball over. Um, Continue to see consistency from the offense. and I think they'll be fine. Absolutely. And uh, this is a top or sorry, it's a top 10 defense. Mm -hmm. And I think. They have to take the ball away from Mariota. Like you said, he's been very safe with the football, no turnovers. This is going to be a game where both teams try to shorten uh, the game. Like, if someone gets to 20 points, like you said, they're going to win. Uh, because both these teams run through their running game, I think it's going to be even lower scoring than that. Uh, you can't turn the ball over, take away a possession from yourself, because they'll be very limited in this game and give an extra one to the Titans offense. I think the turnover battle is going to be crucial in this game. Yeah, absolutely. As it usually is, but I think even more because, again, this is one of those games where uh, Denver beats themselves and you just have this super sour taste in your mouth because you know, look, uh, with all due respect to Tennessee, this is a team we should be able to beat and certainly um, could pose a problem for the Denver Broncos. So, look... um, a big uh, halftime um, uh, ceremony, if you will, coming into this game uh, that we know of. Champ Bailey and uh, Pat Bullen both getting uh, their official rings now. Obviously, the late Pat Bullen will have uh, his accepted by uh, uh, the family, and uh, they will be in attendance. At least we think most of them will be. Uh, David Baker, the CEO, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. By the way, you're going to hear that interview that I had with David Baker here uh, talking about Pat Bowen a little bit later in the podcast, so be sure to stick around for that. Uh, he's going to present them the rings. Of course, Champ Bailey going to get into the Ring of Fame as well, too. So a lot to um, to get to at halftime. So uh, it's just kind of give you a heads up. If you are going to the game you know, uh, structure your bathroom breaks accordingly, <laughs> and uh, maybe instead of uh, nachos at halftime, you pass on it and wait till the third quarter. I don't know. Uh, figure it, figure it out, or maybe just buy it at the beginning of the game. Uh, you're going to want to be in your seat for halftime, as there's going to be a cool little ceremony for Champ Bailey, for Pat Bowen and that family, and certainly, um, you know, a, a a good moment for the Denver Broncos in a season that so far at home has been kind of sour. Uh, look, oh, in two so far. Uh, last Last second losses. Going to be nice to see, obviously, Pat Bowlen get into, um, you know, officially the Ring of Fame by the acceptance of those uh, enshrinement rings. So should be a nice little, um, uh, well, you know, uh, a halftime show worth watching, I'll say. Uh, in that Absolutely. case, uh, over there at Empower Field at Mile High this Sunday when the Broncos take on the 
Tennessee Titans. All right, uh, give me your prediction. Zach, what do you think of this game? How's it going to play out? I think the Broncos win this one for sure. I think they've got a lot of momentum building. And, and like we talked about at the beginning of the pod, this isn't a one in four team. There's not a team with a losing record I- until you get to rank 16 on Pro Football Focus's list. I think they win 16-7. There's not going to be a whole lot of possessions in this game, but the Broncos will make theirs count more than Tennessee. I, I think this game is going to play out um, a little bit differently than people think. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a shootout. I think there's going to be a little bit more offense in this game, uh, but I do think Denver does win this game, and I actually think Denver wins this game pretty soundly. I, I just I don't see anything from Tennessee that that – makes me think wow man like that that's something to worry about you know with Jacksonville it's it's Gardner Minshew and and this unknown that he brings obviously with the Packers it's Aaron Rodgers you're always scared about that and I I just I look at this Tennessee Titans team and I think man Marcus Mariota really hasn't taken the next step um Derrick Henry even in a uh, a solid year for him is a little bit under his uh, general um, output. You know, when it, I mean, we've seen Derrick Henry run for big time numbers, and um, so far it's been it's been okay numbers, but it's been containable numbers. And so, uh, look, injuries are going to be something we need to watch, obviously. And uh, the official injury report that came out uh, yesterday has a bunch of players on the limited side of things from uh, Justin Hollins, Kareem Jackson, uh, Josie Jewell, Jawan James, Ron Leary, Mike Purcell, Trey Marshall, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cortland Sutton. Uh, some of those more so just veteran days, but other than that, uh, look, this is a team that, um, more importantly, maybe the the other side of the practice report to watch is Delaney Walker, tight end, who, of course, we've seen Delaney Walker before. Um, somebody who can really make some plays did not practice on Wednesday. So it's, it's it's um, you know, questionable with the knee. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. And look, um, if you're Denver, you're hoping to get healthy. You know, Jawan James, I think, is the one that everybody's watching yes. just because it's like, you know, the slow-footed Elijah Wilkinson, solid backup, starter, not so much. Absolutely. I think Jawan James coming back will be a huge boost to this offense. The offensive line is the one part of the offense that's really struggling right now. And But they have but, played but better point, in the last couple weeks. They have, for sure. But that right tackle spot, Elijah Wilkinson, again, like you said, good backup. He, Him and Ron Leary are probably the offensive linemen hurting him the most right now on that right side. But back to your point about the, the weapons, there really is a lack of weapons. I'd say uh, Derrick Henry's the offense's biggest weapon for the Titans. After him, it's Honestly, I'd say AJ Brown scares yeah, me more than Brown's Delaney Walker come on at this point. A bit. Yep. But okay, put Chris Harris Jr. on him. That'll mostly take him out of the game. If Delaney Walker's out, it just emphasizes shutting down Rick Henry that much more. Broncos shut down Rick Henry. They win this game easy. Yep. I'm gonna go something around the room of 27-19. Maybe the Titans score a late touchdown to to kind of make it look closer than it actually was. So, I agree with that. Uh, that's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 19-20 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. We appreciate you listening to our preview of the Tennessee Titans and Broncos of course, coming up this weekend, as well as that halftime ceremony that David Baker going to uh, orchestrate as uh, he will be presenting those enshrinement rings to Champ Bailey, as well as the Bolin family. And speaking of David Baker, he joined me on the morning show uh, for a nice little segment, and I really appreciate him. He He's the head honcho of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the CEO and president. Uh, this is the interview in its entirety 
on uh, the morning show, 7 a.m., Monday through Friday. You can hear me every single weekday. Again, Mountain Standard Time here in Denver, uh, locally, 104.7. And, of course, on uh, AM 1340. You can also stream that morning show at milehighsports.com and on the Mile High Sports mobile app. That's free for Apple and Android. Here's that uh, interview in its entirety with David Baker, the CEO president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wake up with Ronnie K. Weekdays at 7 a.m. The Ronnie K. Show. Presented by Collision Brewing. First things first, I'm going to say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. Oh, ooh, the way that things have been. Oh, ooh. Second thing, second, don't you tell me what you think that I can be. I'm the Welcome back, Mile High Sports, FM 1047, AM 1340. Find us at milehighsports.com. Of course, on the mobile app. Man, it's cold outside. That was a 50-degree temperature swing from 80 to 30 overnight. And uh, the roads are a bit slick, so be sure if you are traveling around this morning, uh, make sure to take your time. Go easy on it. Go easy on it. Your boss is going to allow you to be 30 minutes late to wherever you're going. That's okay. Don't just be safe out there on the roads this morning. 303-831-1340. That's the text line. We're shutting down the phone line because we are bringing in, I tell you what, how about the head honcho, the president, CEO of the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, David Baker, joining me on the line. David, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Hey, Ronnie K. Great to be with you. Great to open up to Imagine Dragons there. And, <laughs> wow, uh, very uh, hip. Excited about being in uh, you know, Denver for what's going to be a great Hall of Fame ring ceremony. Yeah, let's talk about that because Champ Bailey, Pat Bolin, their ring ceremony, uh, of obviously Pat Bolin and his family is going to receive the ring uh, on his behalf. Uh, when people are in the stands seeing this, what, what can they expect? Well, uh, again, they've become you know, quite you know, incredible ceremonies. Uh, when I first came to the Hall of Fame six years ago, uh, you know, they were done maybe before the game and not that many people would really understand it. Now they've become sometimes big projections. And you've been to enough NFL games to know that at halftime, uh, a, a lot of people are going to the bathroom or picking up a beer and a hot dog. And what's interesting now, uh, we just got through doing Gil Brandt's. Uh, Hall of Fame ring ceremony mm-hmm. uh, at halftime of the Packer uh, Cowboy game on Fox, and I'll tell you, it's nobody goes to the bathroom. Everybody's standing in their seat, and, and there's a certain reverence of understanding that they are, are watching history. And, and I think, especially for this, for this is the first time in, in the history of the game that the Denver Broncos will have had two. Uh, members of the Hall of Fame who are enshrined in the same year and receiving their Hall of Fame ring. So it, it's uh, it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And, and I also want to say, you know, Ronnie Kay, that I'll tell you, um, you know, Champ Bailey and, you know, um, Mr. Bowen had a great relationship. Um, but, you know, Pat was kind of just bigger than the Broncos, uh, which is certainly why he's in the Hall of Fame. And certainly him not being here, having passed between the time he was selected and enshrined. In some respects, this has got a feel that it's not just for Pat Bowen, not just for the Broncos, but really for the entire city. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you think Pat Bull, and I, you know, I think a lot of people who have either just moved to Colorado or are, are just lightly familiar with the Broncos, uh, which is kind of impossible to find because everybody loves the Broncos around here. Um, you know, they know Pat Bowen as the the owner. You know, they know him as this figure that that made the Broncos what they are today, a very successful franchise and organization. But uh, it's much bigger than that. You know, talk a little bit about what Pat Bowen did for the NFL and growing the game and how important and how interwoven he is into the NFL. You really can't write NFL history without Pat Bowen. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Again, he became an owner that was not just the manager of his team. Uh, I know Commissioner Taglibu and then Commissioner Goodell really relied upon his leadership. And, and part of that was crafting consensus and, and, and real good common sense with the other owners on things like the labor agreement or being involved in international and what he did for the Pro Bowl uh, in, in Hawaii. But certainly one of his big marks was on television. You know, he had uh, one of the stories I, I, I'm sure – uh, you know, that I can relate to you is Dick Ebersole was talking about the fact that when he uh, had a tragic plane crash uh, in, uh, you know, there in Colorado, uh, lost his son, uh, he had already had a handshake agreement uh, with Pat Bowen on Sunday night football and that Pat would get it through the other owners. And while Dick was recovering and grieving over the loss of his son, uh, there were, a, you know, a lot of other you know, uh, media groups that were looking to move forward and not necessarily take advantage of Dick's situation, but really, you know, they wanted Sunday night football. Uh, so there was a big effort to go on. And Dick Ebersole told me, he said uh, his relationship with Pat Bowen was so special because Pat kept his word. And, and I think that's the kind of integrity in the leadership that helped make the NFL this incredibly strong uh, presence where the TV ratings are so strong and only getting bigger. Uh, but his leadership stretches far beyond just the, you know, Broncos organization and, and certainly beyond Denver as well. Speaking with David Baker, he is the uh, president CEO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, a, a lot of fans here talk about the timing of Pat Bowen's induction, um, which is obviously very unfortunate because of his passing afterwards. Um, and, and relay it back to when Jerry Jones was inducted. Uh, it was it, it was kind of this toss-up between Jerry Jones and Pat Bowen. Uh, do you think that health should ever be considered for the timing of inductions or um, in, in relates to maybe something off the field and what they did? Uh, because we both know at the time, Jerry Jones and Pat Bowen, both, Bonafide Hall of Famers, absolute no doubters, um, but should health be considered uh, in, in something like that? Because obviously these who are being inducted are a little bit on the older end. You know, Ronnie, yeah, I, I will tell you, it is not easy to get into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, it, it is not the Hall of really, really good. Sure. It, it's, the, it's the Hall of Fame, and it should be hard to get into it. And, and we've got 48 elite selectors uh, who really work all year round on this not just Selection Saturday. Uh, you know, Peter King says he does about 120 interviews a year just getting ready for Selection Saturday. Mm -hmm. and, but, and that Selection Saturday can take 10 or 12 hours. Uh, but I think each, uh, you know, if you're answering me personally, I don't have a vote. Uh, I, I run the meeting, and you kind of got to be six foot nine, 400 pounds to run this meeting because yes. there's a lot of strong <laughs> opinions and, and, and a lot of heavy debate. 
and, and it is extensive. Uh, but it's one of those situations where, yeah, I do think health should be considered because, you know, some of these guys, is, especially in the contributor category, are, are up in age uh, or in the senior category. And, and you know, we, a couple of years ago we had Dick Stanfill and uh, Kenny Stabler, who were both seniors, and uh, they got really uh, selected by the senior committees in late August, but they had passed in June. And we'd love for them to be around. I would have loved for Pat to be around. Mm -hmm. But having known Pat, (laughs) I will tell you, uh, it's ironic, and I mentioned to the uh, family, uh, you know, Pat was such a humble guy. I don't think he would have handled this big an honor uh, that well because he wouldn't have wanted it to be about him. And, And frankly, it should. And I will also tell you one other thing, Ronnie Kay. Let me tell you, the family was fantastic. Uh, you know, the family really came together in a way that honored Pat. And, and what he would have wanted is for his family to to feel the legacy and the heritage of this and not him. And, and I really think that, uh, you know, you know, listen, I'm not part of the family, but I was real proud of them just as a human mm-hmm. being. Uh, I think the way they coordinated it, the way they handled it, uh, I know the way they will handle it on Sunday uh, was pretty, pretty special. Uh, but yeah, you know, good group of quality people. Dave Baker, you will be heading, of course, the uh, ring ceremony. You will be presenting those rings to Champ Bailey as well as the Bolin family. At uh, uh, so, uh, with the NFL hundredth uh, year, is there going to be anything different? Anything special? People just stay in their seats for halftime, and then uh, it's going to be a, a, a fun little um, ceremony. Well, in terms of the ring ceremony, I mean, we do that, uh, you know, pretty efficiently and both for Champ and for for uh, for Pat. Uh, and, and, again, pretty special on the fans. Uh, but it's, you know, in, in terms of going forward, uh, you know, at, you know, this is the 100th season. You really celebrate the birthday at the end of that year. You know, so if you've got a newborn, their first birthday isn't really until the end of the year. Mm. And, um and so the birthday for the NFL is really September 17th of 2020. And for that event, we are going to have actually 20 Hall of Famers next year. And that will include a class of 10 seniors, uh, three contributors, two coaches, and the five modern era, era finalists. Because uh, there's really been a backlog in seniors, Ronnie K, yes. in, in a big way. And we're going to have a heck of a birthday party in Canton, Ohio, that we think is going to be really special uh, for the 100th birthday. One of the things we're doing is dedicating Centennial Plaza, which is a two-acre park in downtown Canton, uh, kind of a, uh, you know, a field goal away from where the league was founded. And uh, it will have in it um, monuments with the name of every player that played in the first 100 years of the NFL. Oh, wow. 29,000 names. And, again, I think there's a legacy here, and, you know, forgive me, I know that your job is to talk about entertainment and who's winning and who's losing. Uh, We really believe in the values of the game, Uh, that it's not just about the worship of football heroes, uh, but for both Champ Bailey and for Pat Bowen, let me tell you, uh, their their career was filled with hard work and commitment and courage and sacrifice and perseverance and, and things that we can all learn from to be better husbands or fathers or, mm-hmm. or, or, or mothers or wives or, 
or police officers or teachers. And, uh, and we think um, as we approach that centennial, and, and really that's what this honor is about at this ring ceremony, it, it's, uh, it's really about excellence. And, and excellence is not perfect. Uh, the great Hall of Famer Vince Lombardi said that, uh, you know, you can never achieve perfection, but if you chase perfection, you might just capture excellence. Mm-hmm. And not every day for Pat Bowen or Champ Bailey or the Broncos is perfect. But I'll tell you, they fought to be great. And we as fans think they fell out of bed great. But greatness in our business is, uh, you know, kind of snot coming out of your nose and a bloody mouth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you have to fight to be excellent. And um, it's one of those things where you're really going to be in a situation where uh, over a long period of time, if you fight for it, you could drag a lot of other people to greatness with you. And that's what Pat Bowen and Champ Bailey have done. And that's what we want to honor. And, and that's what I promise you, we will keep that legacy alive in Canton, Ohio forever. Well, tremendous, I tell you what. Hey, by the way, if I may, just uh, I know you're not a voter, but uh, Carl Mecklenburg, Randy Gratishore, Steve Atwater, a couple names that uh, we would love to see in for 2020. How does that sound? Can we can we pass yeah, that up hey, to Totem Pole? <laughs> I don't know if you mentioned John Lynch, but uh, yeah. Oh, you yes, gotta, him too, yes. You, 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 you know, you got a lot of guys that are on the bubble there. And, and uh, you know, and I'll tell you, they're just uh, – you know, you got some, you know, one of the really cool things about my job is I get to know these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and again, they're real people, too. Um, but, uh, you know, they tend to be pretty good people uh, who understand these values in life because they've relied on those values to become great in the game. And yeah. again, this is, a, this is a game where character is measured by the yard. <laughs> if you're on offense uh, or if you're on defense, you're trying to keep them from getting it. But uh, I think that, you know, the Broncos, you know, with Terrell Davis and, you know, you've had a lot of guys, uh, you know, come into, uh, into focus recently, you know, since uh, Floyd Little was first sure. you know, made. I, I think you've got seven now uh, who are Hall of Famers, uh, four who spent some time with the Broncos. Uh, you got some, um, some really good guys and you got some really good times ahead. Well, very good. David, we uh, really look forward to the uh, weekend ceremony. That'll be at halftime, of course, of Broncos-Titans at Empower Field at Mile High, where Champ Bailey and the Bolin family will receive the rings on behalf of Pat Bolin. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Ronnie K., thanks so much. Appreciate all you do for the game. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. The uh, 6'8", 400-pound. David Baker, CEO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, really appreciate his time. We're going to get to break because we got TJ McBride on the other side. He's going to help me geek out with uh, Michael Porter Jr. and his first start. We'll talk Nuggets next on the So, again, big thank you to David Baker for joining me on that radio segment. Uh, It's been a great podcast with lots of information, of course, on the Tennessee Titans what the Broncos should be watching for, and, of course, uh, on that halftime ceremony coming up as well, too. So, Zach, appreciate you joining me. Where can they follow you on Twitter, and what do you have cooking in the pipeline at MileHighSports.com? They can find me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-H underscore Seegers, S-E-G-A-R-S. And right now I'm working on another What's on Draft, uh, updating how the Colorado prospects are looking so far this year. You know, Montez at hopes of being drafted, how that's looking, how Chenault's injury is affecting his draft stock. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also writing more keys up to the game. And, yeah. 
Very good. Awesome. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. We are all done for the Broncos Blitz podcast. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of the daily Broncos Blitz podcast. But if you want to check out previous archives of this podcast, you can find it at milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com and on the all-new Mile High Sports mobile app. And, of course, you can follow Mile High Sports on Twitter, Facebook for lots of previous discussions, breakdowns, interviews, player profiles, audio all that great stuff surrounding the blue and orange that's at milehighsports.com that's milehighsports.com see you to listen to previous versions of the broncos blitz podcast visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the broncos blitz wherever you get your podcast without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.